Blog Talk Radio. And we are back. After a summer hiatus, Parenting Your Challenging Child is back on the air for the next nine months. Dr. Ross Green here, joined by at least one of my co-hosts, Kim Hopkins-Best, the Director of Outreach at Lives in the Balance. Kim, how are you? Good morning. I'm hanging in there. Happy to be back. Good. Uh, glad to have you back. And I think we have Jennifer Tressway here. Jennifer, is that you? You do. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Outstanding. Good. Uh, welcome back. How was your summer? Not long enough. Jennifer. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, hard to believe it's over. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. But uh, but here we are. <laughs> Here we are ready to answer people who call in with questions, and we have two waiting on the, uh, at least one waiting on the line already. Um, Let me just. One might be Stella. (laughs) That's exactly right. Let me see here. Yes, one of them is Stella. Stella, sorry not to bring you on sooner. How are you? (laughs) Doing great. Thank you. Good. Um, are we ready to start answering calls and answering questions? We have many that have accumulated over the summer by email, but we also have somebody waiting for us uh, right now by phone. Shall we jump awesome. into this? Yes, let's there do we it. Go. Area code 240, you are on the air with me, Kim, Stella, and Jennifer. What's on your mind today? Um, hi everyone. I'm um, well. I'm I have an 11 year old son that I'm trying to uh, use the model with, and I'm just getting kind of stuck um, on several things. Um, one thing I'm having trouble with is I feel like a lot of our unsolved problems aren't things I can plan C. Um, a lot of them are from like my sons expectations not being met and then some of them are just like he has issues with just things that are just part of life I feel like like getting hurt you know if he stubs his toe or anything like that like he loses it um and then I'm also having trouble with like a lot of his um he does I'm I'm a very sensitive person and just a lot of noise and commotions like I can't deal with So a lot of stuff that just, um, if I plan C, you know, things that he's doing, I'm going to have them melt down myself later. (laughs) All right. Um, It sounds like a pretty stressful situation. Yeah. The the devil's going to be in the details. And by the way, as you already know, plan C is not your only option. Plan B is an option. Right. Like, but I mean, like, um, I'm trying to work on, you know, just one or two things with plan B and plan C, everything else, but I'm still 
you know, we're still having all these explosions and meltdowns and stuff because so many things can't be plan C and I'm still super stressed and it's very hard to focus on plan B and approach it calmly and rationally and um, when I'm having trouble functioning myself. Yes. Um, one big question is whether you're going to be able to do this all on your own or whether it would be helpful for you to have somebody who's guiding you through the process. What are your thoughts um, in that realm? I would love to have somebody guiding me through the process. I have looked through all the providers on your website. There is no one in my state or within a reasonable driving distance. We do have clinicians who work with people remotely. Okay. How would I find them? You would uh, go to the contact form on any of the websites, Live in the Balance, CPS Connection, um, and go to the contact form and tell us that you are, don't have a provider in your area or within driving distance. You'd like the names and contact information of people who provide that remotely. Okay. And we'll see if we can hook you up with somebody. Um, but Dr. I don't Green, want to jump the I... Yep, go ahead. I just wanted to um, bring up a memory. Um, your first comment was that, uh, you know, the things that are just part of life, like getting hurt, um, makes him go off the rails, your son. Yeah. Um, mine was exactly like that. And Dr. Green, this feels like a little bit of deja vu because I remember calling in when my son was around 11 and asking you this exact question on a radio show. And how do I help him for when he stubs his toe, when he hits his funny bone, when he cuts himself, and he completely freaks out and cusses? Um, well, and yeah, I my was, son will uh, actually, like, try to hurt me, when, and right, even if right. it's something I had nothing to do with. Exactly. No, yeah, it, it's the same. Yeah, my son once hit his head on the uh, the um, tailgate of the the trunk, you know, when you lift up your trunk and he hit his head mm -hmm. and the next thing I knew his fist was in my face. Um, so, uh, and I remember Dr. Green, um, as far as like the, the cussing and the loud reactions in public when, when he would hurt himself, you and I had a con that conversation that, you know, gosh, I, I hit my whatever on the door of the car and I was completely by myself. So I let out a long string of cuss words, you know, and then developing <laughs> those executive skills to be able to control yourself when you hurt yourself um, in a, in an environment um, where there are others and it's not appropriate to hit and scream and cuss and, and whatnot. Um, and I um, work very slowly to build up uh, a plan B conversation with my son to um, address the very next time that something did happen where he responded aggressively when he hurt himself, just one of these part of life things. And I took note of that instance so that I could word it as an unsolved problem later after the heat of the moment had passed and started from there. And if I remember correctly, because it's been about 10 years now, um, it took my son and I several Plan B conversations to finally get to a solution where if one of these just part of life, hurt yourself sort of scenarios happen, 
where he his go-to was not to freak out. Um, I can't tell you exactly how that went down. All I know is it took multiple Plan Bs um, mm-hmm. to finally get to a solution where that he could remember and adhere to. Um, so that's 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 a tricky one. I don't know, Dr. Green, if you remember <laughs> me begging you for help with that. <laughs> I don't remember much these days, but I also want to. So Stella, the interesting thing is. Yes, you did plan B, and yes, it took a while. I'm hearing in mom's voice, and mom just telling us a little bit about herself, um, that mom is um, feeling pretty worn out by this and pretty desperate. Also feeling, Stella, that I'm betting you can relate to. Can you talk (laughs) a little bit about how that went for you and how that got better? Um, I remember having to be okay with the fact that it wasn't going to be an immediate fix. This was pretty much kind of in the in in the beginning of the climb to a lot of difficulty that we were having. And just like mom, just like you're trying really diligently to just work on one or two unsolved problems as to not overwhelm him or yourself. Um, I was very much in that same sort of lane, um, and if if I can be completely honest, I was in the back of my mind looking for something that was going to take care of everything right away. Um, and um, it, it was right around that time that I settled into understanding that I had to continue to work just that I hear it in your voice too, um, to continue to work to do the very best that I could to stay calm, especially in the heat of the moment. And so I turned mm-hmm. to the heat of the moment to become my opportunity to collect information for the next proactive plan B as much as I could. And that became I'm my lifeline. A- Go ahead. I'm having a hard time, you know, collecting information. Like, you know, if I try to do a plan B like about getting hurt you know all he really tells me is that he doesn't like getting hurt which well nobody does so <laughs> I'm not I'm not even sure what to follow up with after that okay well I Oof, think that, that's where the drilling, drilling down starts <laughs> yeah go ahead Stella <laughs> no yeah Dr. Green you're going to speak way more eloquently but that's again this um, it feels a little bit like you're stuck, very much like you're stuck, and you're hitting the same wall over and over again. Um, and then, yeah. then you can tap into that drill down. Okay, so I don't like getting hurt is his main concern. Great. Okay. I don't like getting hurt either, kiddo. So let's talk about um, what – give me an example of what hap- of a situation that you get hurt in that you don't like. And, like, with my kids, the next thing that he would say is, I don't know, because it's too open-ended, right? Um, So then for me, if I bring up something that I know he saw me getting hurt, like, do you remember when I was in the kitchen and I stubbed my toe on the corner of the cabinet door? And I yelped out, and you quickly said, what happened? And we talked about that. 
I said, okay, so that's a, that's me getting hurt just because I bonked. There was no way for me to know that my baby toe was going to hit that cabinet. Okay, um, so what's what's the time that you remember getting hurt that was completely unexpected and you got really upset about it? You know, and, and I just entered into the conversation that way. And sometimes it worked mm-hmm. great, the conversation, and sometimes it didn't. But for my kid, I needed to kind of explain the situation for myself before he could think back and find it for himself. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dr. Green, I'm Mom, talking. You... No, you... <laughs> um, Mom, I'm wondering if you've stumbled across the drilling strategies in your travels through the CPS territories. Have you come across the drilling strategies? I think so. That's, I don't know. That's I've... where you want that's where okay. you want to focus. If, as it relates to getting stuck, after your son says he doesn't like getting hurt, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's not enough information to be actionable, right? And yeah. there's eight drilling strategies to help you extract even more information from him. And there are two of them that are coming to mind at the moment. The one, one of them is the one you're going to be using the most. It's called reflective listening, which is where you're just saying back to your son whatever he just said to you, um, and then adding a clarifying question or statement like, uh, how so, or I don't quite understand, or can you say more about that, Uh, or I'm confused. And that would sound like this, ah, you don't like getting hurt. Can you tell me more about that? And Reflective listening is actually your default drilling strategy. It's the strategy you should use when you don't know what strategy to use. It is Mm -hmm. there whenever you need it. Feel pressure to read his mind. And it helps you know what to say when you don't know what to say. When you don't know what to say, just say back to your son whatever your son just said to you. And then use a clarifying question or statement to see if he can talk more about that. There's another Mm -hmm. drilling strategy that you're not going to be using as often as reflective listening, but it's still one of my favorites. Um, It's uh, on the list of strategies. It's number four. It's asking kids what they're thinking in the midst of the unsolved problem. What are you thinking when you get hurt? Well, I'd love to hear what he has to say to that one too. And just remember in the empathy step, All you're trying to do is understand. You're not trying to fix anything. You're not trying to come up with any solutions yet. If we don't understand what's hard about getting hurt for your son in the most detail possible, then it will be hard to come up with a solution to something we don't yet understand. Mm -hmm. Now, I would call that technical plan B, right? And maybe you would be feeling a little bit less overwhelmed if you were feeling more success in plan B. But I'm also hoping that one of the folks, one of our clinicians who provide help remotely might be of help to you just so that you feel greater support than what you're going to be able to get from us on this podcast in 20 minutes or so. But we've been talking Mm -hmm. quite a bit here, 
let me ask you what your thoughts are on what you've heard from us so far. Um, well, I just feel like when I try and ask him for more details, he, you know, it's just typically I don't know. Um, like I maybe haven't used the exact wording you gave for the reflective listening, but I've said similar things. Um, you know, could he tell me more about that? And, you know, he just doesn't really have anything to expand on. Um, so I'm not really sure where to go next. Got it. Where you go next is you guess. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but sometimes we talk about a five finger method that we use. Mm-hmm. so that your son doesn't actually even have to talk. What you're doing is you're making statements. And by the way, there's lots of kids who we hear won't talk. But if you're – we're not there, obviously, when he's not talking to you. Um, some kids who we hear won't talk ultimately do talk in response to reflective listening. So you do want to stick with the wording as closely as possible. Uh, beginning, by the way, with the reflective listening so that your son knows he's been heard. Um, But when push comes to shove, if your son is incapable of giving you more information beyond, uh, I don't like getting hurt, then you can guess what it is that your son doesn't like about getting hurt and have your son let you know whether you guess how close to the mark you are by having your son hold up fingers. Five means very true, four means pretty true, three means sort of true, two means not very true, and one means not true at all. And you may be able to gather information that way. So I don't know is a pretty common scenario in the, in, when you're trying to gather information in the empathy step. So um, I don't know would not be considered uh, surprising. It's actually kind of the norm. It's just we need to make sure that you have strategies so that you know what to do about it. If, if I could offer an additional thought. <laughs> Jennifer, um, I was hoping you would speak up, especially in the self-care department, but keep going. <laughs> Maybe that's not the direction you were heading in. Well, I just, I was going to say, listening to you talk, it, like like Stella, it's 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 a flashback for me. Um, my son was was not a a cursor. Um, he was a hitter and a spitter and a kicker and a knock chairs overer, um, and a yeller and a crier, all in one very angry combination. Um, and he had hit a point right about when we came into CPS where every single conversation that we had or that he had with anybody was a confrontation. You know, there was there was no safe person or conversation for him anymore right then. He was so anxious and stressed and unhappy that I couldn't drill with him in the beginning because he was far too defensive and he couldn't 
think straight enough to even have a conversation with me. And mm-hmm. every time I talked to anyone about him, my voice shook, um, much the way I heard yours shake earlier. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I walked around, I spent a lot of time excusing myself to go into the bathroom because I was afraid that I was going to burst into tears in front of everyone. I just didn't leave the house as much as I could. And finding CPS for so many of us is something that we do when we're in a place of utter and absolute desperation and despair. And what we had to do here was pretty much, and I know that you said there are things that you can't plan C, but plan Aing them isn't working and plan Bing them may not be possible yet. Um, we plan C pretty much everything but breathing for a little while. Um, and just kind right. of took a step back. And every, you know, the the strategy that I started with was just empathy. You know, that really hurt, you know, or whatever would come out, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I hate it when I do stuff like that. That really hurts when you bang your elbow like that. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And the fact that I was coming toward him with, just empathy sometimes made him calm down. Um, We had a code word where no matter what we were doing, if he came out and he said it to me and he chose it, it was porcupine. Um, If he came out and he said to me, porcupine, whatever we were doing, we would stop and we would go and we would sit on the couch and we would snuggle for a little while because he needed that that close connection. We wouldn't try to talk about it. We'd just sit and snuggle. Um, it, took, it took some time where really all we did was just be together with as little of anything but empathy as I could manage to muster. And it was hard because I was feeling pretty miserable myself. Um, I, these are the days, I don't know if you're on Facebook, if you're in the B team, but I've talked about the days that I spent um, in that time hiding in my closet, literally hiding in my closet. I have, we have a fairly big closet and there's a little spot in the back where um, I could like crawl into where nobody could see me and I kept really good chocolate hidden in the back of my closet (laughs) and when it would get to be just way too much I would literally crawl into my closet and eat some chocolate Mm -hmm. um, just to find a minute where I could gather my thoughts and pull myself together. And what I discovered is that over time, and it wasn't fast, unfortunately, and it spent, I spent a lot of time, I said my mantra was, you know, he's not giving me a hard time, he's having a hard time. And when I would feel my blood pressure start to rise, I would start repeating it in my head to myself. And there were some days where I did nothing but say that in the back of my head from the minute he got out of bed until the minute he went back to bed. 
But as time went on and, you know, I, I managed to excuse myself for a minute when I absolutely had to, even if it meant leaving him on the floor in front of something he was watching on TV just to go close myself in the bathroom for a minute or, you know, crawl into my closet and find a piece of chocolate, um, that the more connection he and I made, the more that we could co-regulate, the less reactive he became and the more we were able to start to talk. But it was, we were in a place where every conversation turned to an ugly confrontation in the beginning. And it took us a couple months to get to a place where his immediate reaction wasn't to lash out. But in that that couple months, the lashing out got shorter and less lashy. Um, And, you know, I'd hit a point in the beginning where I thought, I'm afraid of my child growing up because he's going to overpower me and there's going to be nothing I can do about it. Yep. You know, he's little now, but, and, and it, you know, as time went on and, and it, it, it was incremental progress in the beginning, but we celebrated every little, single little tiny piece of incremental progress we saw. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if, if, if plan being feels like too much for you right now, and I know that you said you can't plan see it, but <laughs> for your own peace of mind and for your own sanity, you need to find some ways that you can step back from the situation and gather yourself just a little bit so that you can present empathy to him. And that's hard. It's especially hard when you're exhausted yeah. Um and I well my problem is he he makes it very hard to even get away and get time to myself. Um, you know, if I try to go in my room, he'll follow me. If I lock the door, he <laughs> will take a screwdriver and unlock it. Um yeah. you know. <laughs> I can't get away How from old him. Eleven. Okay. Yeah, um, does he have does he have age? Yeah, does he have any, like, headphones or anything that he tolerates that way? Head, I'm not, headphones? Like, like headphones to, to listen. like, listen to music or watch a video on a device or something. Does he ever do that? Not, what is, I guess what I I'm mean, saying is, what does it look like when he needs a little bit of time on his own? Or is he in that point where he always has to be around you? I mean, when he is upset or, you know, any kind of emotional state, like he wants to be around me, he wants my attention. And if I don't right. give it to him, he's going to make me give it to him. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I recognize like, that. You know, he, he enjoys reading and, you know, computer and stuff sometimes, but like not 
you know, right. not always when yeah. I need it. Okay. So when, when he's looking, when he's doing fine, though, when he's not in crisis, what does it look like when he spends time on his own happily? Um, he reads a lot. Uh, he Good. does Legos. Um, he, uh, he likes doing uh, coding on the computer. Good. Good. Well, a suggestion I would have as a starting point for you um, establishing um, a time for yourself so that he can understand what that feels like for you. Um, you know, I would, I would recommend maybe like completely randomly, not, not when you need time alone because you've had it, but when you notice that he's calm and quiet and doing well, um, join him in that time when he's doing well by also, you know, nearby him, either doing a parallel sort of activity. If he's playing Legos, you play your version of Legos, whether that's reading a book, working on a puzzle, something like that, and talk about how, gosh, I am really enjoying this time alongside mm-hmm. you. You're quiet and you're calm. And, you know, and eventually you can kind of evolve that conversation to be like, when I feel stressed, this is the kind of quiet and quiet time that I strive to have so that I can get back to feeling a little bit more calm. Um, and so, you know, that, that's one thing I remember doing was trying to show my son when, when I need to separate and go into the closet. Jennifer's, Jennifer's <laughs> the whole idea of having chocolate in her closet is great for me. It was a bottle of wine. So, <laughs> and it wasn't a closet. It was just a chair in the corner of my bedroom because I had no space in the closet. But, um, and I would just say when, when I need to be by myself, this is the kind of thing I need to do. Um, and I'm going to show you so that you know and you don't have to come in and see me doing it. So I, I'm going to journal, and the next time that I need time to journal, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to go and journal, and now you've seen me do it, and you're going to know what I'm doing so you don't have to come in and watch me mm-hmm. do it or be a part of me doing it. Um, and, you know, and see if something like that could work. Um, okay. So let me, my, let me my jump in. My kid wanted, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hard part about this, I think that, uh, Mom, you've heard a lot of experience coming from uh, Jennifer and Stella. The hard part is that we don't know your kid. The devil's going to be in the details. Um, mm-hmm. What it does sound like is that once he is emotionally dysregulated, he's relying very heavily on you as the mm-hmm. way to get regulated again, um, and that might be putting it kindly, but he's relying <laughs> yeah. heavily on you, and he's relying so heavily on you that he's, um, he's wearing you out. And so yeah. <laughs> what, I'm hoping, what I'm hoping someone virtual can help you with is to get a better understanding of your son and 
what, first of all, what are the unsolved problems that cause him to become dysregulated? But secondly, what is it that's causing him to become so dysregulated so easily? Possibilities are there, besides relying so heavily on you, that could help him stay regulated, and if he becomes dysregulated, to help him begin to regulate himself a little bit better. Now, Plan B can do that, but it sounds to me like you may need some other help. I'm, I'm not sure because we don't know your son and on this program in the limited time that we have. We frequently don't get enough details for us to guide people as explicitly as we might like. But that's what I'm hearing. You have a son who's very easily dysregulated, and once he's dysregulated, he's relying very heavily on you to try to get regulated, and he's burning you out. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's no hope. It's just that we may not be able to take you a whole lot further today because we don't know your son, and the devil's going to be in the details. So what I'm hoping is that you will email us using the contact form on one of the websites. Let's see if we can hook you up with someone who can help you. And um, some of the experiences that you heard from Stella and um, Jennifer have been helpful in some way, but the rest of the way is going to be details about your son that, unfortunately, we don't have. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Thank you. I hope this has been helpful. And thank you for calling in and sharing your story. Um, And even if it wasn't super helpful to you, maybe it was helpful to others as well. Good luck on this journey, and you're welcome to call in any time. Okay, thank you. Um, Tough scenario out there. We have two other callers, by the way. Uh, Probably only time for one of them. Just a a heads up to area code 703. Um, But here's area code 608. We've got about 10 minutes to see if we can help you out. What's on your mind today? Thank you for waiting so long. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, You know, your last conversation certainly did trigger some ideas with my mind, but uh, I have a 12-year-old son, um, and uh, I know that labels aren't necessarily that helpful or whatever, but ADHD um, and uh, uh, ODD, and he's medicated with with a stimulant that maybe helps him a little bit, but not a lot. Um, And been trying to do Plan B for, I don't know, maybe a month, or six weeks now, have read the book, looked at the websites. Um, you know, it, it's doing good. He's not crazy about sitting down and, and doing it. He, he, of course, he, he kind of goes a mile a minute, wants to get on to the next thing that interests him more. He feels is more important to his current current self. But, um, you know, one one problem or one difficulty he has, and even during the Plan B conversations, is is interrupting um and i've tried to plan b that uh with maybe a a little bit of success um but i guess i was just yeah i was just calling in trying to look for other other directions or things to think about or maybe things i've missed again in the whole conversation that you had earlier about plan a and plan c we definitely still do a little plan A, but we really are try to be careful about that if we think it's something that's going to set him off or we can tell he's starting to become escalated. We we do everything we can to de-escalate that. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if that gives so you a little here, brief picture. A quick practical question. Um, I'm hearing that you don't feel like the stimulant medication is doing a whole lot. Correct. Uh, a, a li- you know, it's, it's doing enough that we're keeping him on it, particularly, I think, for school. Uh, and, and he feels that it, it, you know, he describes it as a pediatrician once described it to him as just giving him an extra second before he does something impulsive that's going to have some pretty negative consequences. Um, but, but certainly in terms of sort of the disruptive behaviors and some, it doesn't, yeah, you know, it doesn't do much there. Okay. So here's, so at a purely practical level, um, Number one, it sounds like the stimulant medication isn't getting you a lot of mileage. And if it is giving you mileage, not enough. And so that's something to talk with the prescriber about, um, whether you could get a um, bigger effect from the medication. But are you trying to do plan B while your son is medicated is my very, very practical question. Yes. Good. Because given that the stimulant medication isn't doing much anyways, it would be hard for me to imagine. Uh, And, of course, I've had to do it with kids who were unmedicated because they couldn't be medicated or their parents didn't want them to be medicated. So plan B with an unmedicated, very ADHD kid happened in chunks and stages. And... um, Often doesn't very last. Often doesn't last very long in one sitting. It's multiple sittings. But uh, I always, if if I've got medication helping the kid, I want to see if I can do Plan B while the kid is on the stimulant medication to give us the best chance possible of actually getting Plan B done. The big caveat there is I don't know if you're getting a whole lot out of the stimulant medication. So in some respects you kind of have a ADHD kid who is still pretty unmedicated even when he's medicated that yep you 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 you've you've hit the nail on the head there <laughs> that's a conversation for your pediatrician um maybe you could get more out of the medication than you're getting i don't know what your pediatrician's going to tell you i don't know what you've all done with dosing and i'm not in a position to give you medication Guidance certainly with a kid who I don't know, but that yeah, would be the I can, first conversation I would have. Yeah, we've you know we've we've messed around with that for a couple of years, three years now, and we're, I think we're really at sort of as far as we can go with stimulants. Pretty hesitant to jump to like the intuitives or the of the uh, you know some of the other medications that are used in these scenarios. Um, The other conversation, and I don't know, obviously, your pediatrician. I don't know anything about your situation. You might want to ask your pediatrician if um, it might make sense to get a referral to somebody whose specialty is um, psychopharmacology. Yeah, he's done that as well. He's, he's been – go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I said, uh, we've sort of, yeah, we've gone down that road too. He's had a couple pretty significant neuropsychiatric evaluations at, at tertiary hospitals. Um, 
And, you know, it seems pretty, we're pretty confident that nothing else is going on other than the ADHD and the ODD. Um, uh, at least, uh, you know, a lot, there's a lot of talk about the 2E kind of kids and he might fall into that category, though that, you know, that terminology hasn't sort of, I feel like uh, really entered into the, to the regular Western kind of medicine that's practiced yeah. out here in rural Wisconsin anyway. Got it. So um, what I was referring more to is whether your pediatrician would think it's a good idea for you to be referred to somebody not for testing and not to look for other things, but somebody whose primary specialty is is psychiatric medication. Gotcha. That 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 could be um, that could yeah that that could be possible. Yeah. So, just given what you've told us so far, that may be as far as we can take you today. Mostly because what you're telling us is your son, and you can you can try to do Plan B in chunks, which I've once again had to do with some kids who either couldn't be medicated or had adverse reactions to medication. And you just make do with whatever plan B looks like, no matter how many times it takes. But the thing I'm mostly glomming on to here is that you're basically saying that the medication your son is on isn't really doing much. That would, if I'm triaging, that might be the first place that I'd start. Okay. Tim, Stella, Jennifer, anything to add to that? Are you on the B team at all on Facebook, sir? You know, I, I don't have a Facebook account, but my wife does, so I use her account, and I think I did sign up for that like a month ago. But to be honest, I haven't, um, I haven't looked at it. So, but I will. Um, I, I, I had written that down during your cre- during your previous conversation, <laughs> as well as okay. trying to get a remote a remote counselor for my, for my wife and I, so you know, to help us with the process. I'm I'm Stella Lua L U A on the page, and um, you or your wife feel free to message me because um, I have a couple of suggestions for the interrupting concern. Okay. <laughs> Great, thank you. And the only thing I would add is, you said he has trouble sitting down to have a conversation with you. Don't sit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've had Plan B conversations on a trampoline. We've had Plan B conversations in the car. The car is a great place because no one has to make eye contact. Uh, yep. Yeah, text, you're right. He's, by note. He's, <laughs> yeah, that goes better. I do that uh, in the driveway, shooting basket, baskets with him sometimes. It yep. does, uh, it does yep. tend to go a little better in those situations. Yeah. That was going to be my thought for sure. <laughs> And, you know, and I don't know if he, he might be a little young for a cell phone or something like that, but some kids prefer writing notes. Some kids prefer trading text because plan B can happen in all different ways. Oh, if yeah. he could get a cell phone by, uh, by, by, by <laughs> saying that it would be helpful, he would, yeah, he would, he would be all over that if he was listening. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have not listen then. <laughs> right. I'm not going to tell him about this podcast quite yet. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, my my daughter begs me daily for a phone. Oh, <laughs> the Gab from G A B B is a great. <laughs> Sorry. 
Dad, we wish you luck with this, and do reach out to Stella. Sounds like she has some pearls that she'd like to offer that we don't have time to offer right now, um, but reach out. Will do. Thank you all very much for your time and expertise. And on that note, we have to call it a day. Thank you uh, to our to Stella and um, Jennifer and Kim for your wisdom today and your reflections on your experiences. Apologies to Area Code 703 that we didn't get to you today, um, but all in first next week, and we promise to get to next month. We promise to get to you. In the meantime, take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.